Hey y'all, and welcome back to Education, where we teach you about people you should know or teach you more about the people you already know about. I'm Tamia, and this is my co-host. I am Brando from the Bando. <laughs> All right. All right, let's Lies. get started. Lies. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm from the suburbs. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. All right. All right. What are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about a little bit of everything, to be honest with y'all. We're going to touch on some James Ball. We're going to talk about some Richard Wright. And we're going to spin off and talk about how that impacts what we digest in our media, whether that be like reading, TV, and things like that, how we process black trauma, and how we look at this white savior complex in some media Yeah, it's it's a lot, but we're going to get y'all started with the conflict that we see happen between Richard Wright and James Baldwin. Um, but before we get into that a little bit, I am going to give y'all a little bit of background about the both of them. Uh, so they actually lead like very similar lives, I would say. Uh, we see okay. them both growing up in the United States. Uh, Richard Wright's coming from Mississippi. James Baldwin is coming from Harlem, uh, a product of the Harlem Renaissance and the Great Migration. We love that. We love that. Um, but we're going to see both of them, <laughs> right, <laughs> both of them growing up in the United States and as get older and start dealing with like certain types of discrimination and things like that within the United States. They're going to move and migrate actually to France um, where they will both be laid to rest eventually. Um, but what we see happen is uh, Richard, uh, excuse me, Richard Wright is going to be most lo- notably known for his work with uh, Native Son. Okay, yes. And that's going to be a big conflict between him and James Baldwin because James Baldwin didn't like a lot of the representation of black people within his novel. Um, so that is where we're going to see them come to a head. And for those of you that don't know, I know he's a very common name, but James Baldwin is another writer, uh, specifically, again, known for his work in Harlem and once he reaches France. Um, but most notable notes of a native son where he is critiquing Richard Wright. Drags him. I mean, just by As the he scout, should. Like, by the As scout, he like, should. That book is, like, terrible. Uh, like, I just, I can't, I can't. All right, um, just to give a quick little background about uh, Native Son. Like, so Native Son focuses on the protagonist. His name is Digger um, Thomas. And he um, is like this black, young black man who is just very frustrated with uh, being in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this, this uh, push or this theme of like black people are just poor. And typically when they're in that situation, they can't get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout the book, uh, he just kind of encounters um, white people and the white people are just kind of portrayed as like uh, these nice people. He, he goes to work for this family um, and they're portrayed as like these nice and innocent people. And um, he just um, continues to kind of be frustrated. And he's talking about like potentially like robbing them with his friends and different things like that. So it's just kind of like Richard Wright kind of puts uh it's just the way that he has black people responding mm-hmm. to whiteness. And he um, eventually, Bigger Thomas just does like a series of like all these violent things. And it kind of stems from his frustration of where he is in society. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> James Baldwin drags him rightfully <laughs> so because it's like, I mean, like, yeah, like what he's poor, on? he's poor, but like, did you really have to like, go and portray the protagonist as like this violent black man is that what we really needed and it's just like and one of the things that james baldwin says is like uh like his audience couldn't have been for black people because (laughs) like like the way that he spends some richard wright spends so much time like showcasing or discussing what poverty looks like for black people Mm -hmm. like most black people at the time were poor Um, so it's like 
Maybe you're not telling them nothing they don't already know. So right. it's like, so obviously his target audience was white people. And I think Richard Wright may have been like, um, like, oh, I don't want to push it right. too, too far. Um, so it's considered like a literally a literary success. Yeah. But he literally made black people kind of look bad or like he kind of capitalized on the fact that black people go through all these things or whatever like that. And then in the end, the black person... The main character does all these violent things and he doesn't end up in a better position than what he was in, you know, at the beginning of the novel. So there's really no growth for the character. Um, and James Baldwin, one thing he says is like a bigger Thomas is not even like a protagonist. He represents like a stereotype uh, of black people. So when I think about stuff like even like with Birth of a Nation, um, that really like uh, focused on black uh, violence mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. Um, and you know that was almost single-handedly one of the reasons why the KKK had their second emergence yeah. you know so it's just like Richard Wright like do better like why did you not do better like why and did you not do better Birth of the Nation was like one of the first movies ever shown on the White House lawn the incredibly racist zero act like Woodrow why was he doing that great, said it was a great film like he like, recommended it to anybody I just that is my favorite fact to share about either Woodrow Wilson or just the fact movies in general because why would you do that that is an incredibly racist movie and why would you put yeah. it on anybody's front line yeah so James Baldwin um, and the, the the great thing about this is that they were contemporaries and they were also friends <laughs> and so at was, some point so I wonder <laughs> if like I wonder if James Baldwin was like um, I hope you know like I am gonna drag you. But actually, like, I have a whole book dedicated like, to the things I, I have hate about book, like, like, why, why did you think this was okay? Like, why? But I think, so. so I have to be very honest in saying I've actually never read Native Son. I was really relying on him to give me the rundown. <laughs> he did a great job, but he told me more before this. I but um, what I really, when I heard about this, what I wanted to talk about is just the issue of showcasing Black trauma within film. And then on top of that, having that little, that white savior or having somebody that is white in a film that is above the main character who's black and just doing all these different things and like yes. the layers that you see when race comes into play with media and not only just like movies, but within books, you know, within uh, plays, all types of arts that is expressive. And one of the big things that we see James critique is kind of the stereotypes that are put in place. So um, when I was in my master's degree, I actually did a paper on like black stereotypes. And so mm-hmm. it's like, um, the Jezebel, the Manny figure, you know, things like that. And so I think it's really interesting. To, right. I think it's really interesting to watch how those things play out in modern media because these stereotypes were set such a long time ago and they still follow us. Like even thinking about a Madea character, right? Like Madea is very much like a strong independent black woman, but she still has like the body type of a Manny. She's still at the end of the movie. Yes. She's the one bringing everybody in. If they need a place to stay, if they need food, she's feeding them. She still embodies a lot of these characteristics. And it's just, I don't know, it's just so interesting to see them kind of mold themselves into different things and kind of do spinoffs. And people don't even realize what they're looking at when they look at a figure like that, you know? Yeah. So I think um, when we talk about um, black trauma as well, um, one of the things I think about are like a lot of historical movies as well, mm-hmm. like uh, the Amistad, the Twelve Years of Slaves, uh, the Birth of a Nation, the the remake. Why would um, you remake that? Yeah, like um, who and, saw that? I just and so for me, I'm kind of torn because I'm a huge history buff, so mm-hmm. like I have to watch all those movies, and like I, I just I do, uh-huh. I have to watch them, I I, I do, mm-hmm. but it's just like I also get why people are like frustrated like where 
Um, why can't we have a story where black people are just like successful and not having to be like even like when you look at something like um what's the movie where um NASA um Hidden Figures. Yes, Hidden Figures. Okay, yeah. I think, I don't know why I can think of it at this time. Um Hidden Figures, even that like that showcased black excellence, right? Right. Like, you still had a piece in there about like how she had to run yeah, all the way to the other building to use the color, use the color sign, and then of course she has a white, white savior here who comes in and down. knocks down the sign. Don't it's just like, it. no, like, like what? And it's just like, why can't we have like, um, you know, like something where it's just show- showcasing black people just being talented? Why is there always have to be something? And I get it. Uh, uh, like, obviously, it's a part of history, right? But it's just, it's just like, can we tell a story? Or can there be a narrative pushed out there that showcases just black people and the positive light without mm-hmm. them having to have some kind of a struggle, struggle to you know, right. like, just a feel good movie that we can have and look at. Yeah. And I think I'm a bit of a hypocrite though, because like, so there are two different types of like black trauma films, right? right? You have like the 12 years of slave, which I will be very honest. I made it through 45 minutes and I was like, yeah, got to go. Um, and then you also have things like boys in the hood. I love Boys in the Hood. Okay. That is my movie. Okay, I would watch. That is a like classic. Or like Minister Society. I would watch those movies. I can quote Minister Society backwards. Like, no mm-hmm. cap, that is my movie, right? Right, right? I can watch those every single day over and over again. But those are black trauma films, right? Yeah. Like, those, those are showcasing gang life, gang life drugs. Yeah. Like, and even the split between a family, um, looking at Boys in the Hood, right? Looking at yeah, the yeah, split yeah. between Ricky and his brother. It's like, you know, <laughs> they're showcasing that that trauma that comes with it, and I can digest that, right? Yeah. But when I look at like a Twelve Years a Slave, you're gonna cut the movie off. Like I can't deal with when it comes to slavery, slavery and the atrocities that we see with slavery. It's so hard for me to digest those, and those are the movies you're gonna see me advocating against, like the Twelve Years a Slave. When they came out with the Underground Show, I refuse to even give it a chance because see, I, I loved it. right. But I'm so tired of seeing the yeah, narrative of our people being enslaved, bro. Yeah. Like we know it. If they don't talk about anything else in the history class, they're going to talk about slavery. You feel me? And it's like, yeah. I'm I'm personally tired of seeing that. Whereas when I look at it like a boy's in the hood, I see my uncle, right? Yeah. I see my cousin. I see my kid go. Like, so to me, that's way more relatable. And it, it, it's less about trauma and more about something that I can relate to. Whereas the 12 years of slave, it's like, y'all just bringing up this trauma again and again. But I mean, for people like you, you can deal with period pieces like that. I'm, you know, yeah. So I can. Mind. So I try to look at it from an unbiased um, standpoint, and like, but there are times like where like I do have a pause, and I'm like, mm, but then I'll go back and um, like, uh, I don't know. I just like, I think, like I said, it's like a history thing. Like, yeah. I, and like with history, um, there is inherent bias on one side, depending on who's telling the story, which is kind of like why we're doing this podcast right, in the first place sure. to you know tell another side to history. But um, I think that uh, when we look at uh, those movies um, as well, that we have to look at what the audience is like. I know I, went to, I think I want to go see Twelve Years a Slave in the theaters, and like there was a whole bunch of white people in there, and I was like, oh I was my, like, okay, I was like, what? What? Like, uh, it was just like, I mean, there were black people in there, but, but it was like a whole bunch of white people in there. So that makes me wonder, like, okay, is our history like inter- a, a source of entertainment? Or Listen, like, okay, okay, okay. Listen, because I've been trying to figure this out. I don't know if it's entertainment or guilt, right? Uh, so either, like, both of them suck. Right. Like, either way, <laughs> terrible, yeah. right? But so I interned in D.C. a few summers ago and, you know, they had just built the African-American uh, Museum there. And it's like six floors. Beautiful. If you have not been, please book a ticket. Go. It is 
absolutely beautiful. Right. I enjoy. I went literally every weekend. I got a chance to go, and every time that I would go, so many white people there. And like, I remember um, my family came to visit me, and that was one of the things that I wanted us all to do together. And it was such a beautiful experience for us as black people to share together. And I remember this white woman ruining it because we were sitting there, and they do like little videos and stuff. We were sitting there looking at a little video, and she goes, "It's just so unfortunate." I hate that that happened. No, and I was like, ma'am, the door. But it's like, right. they really feel like they're like they're aiding us in something or they're like being a positive. Right. <laughs> I was really like, if you don't, the door. Yes. It's so So, yeah, so I, like, I, um, <laughs> I got so in trouble terrible. actually, um, since we're on the subject, I got in trouble <laughs> a few years ago because I used to drag there is, um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a particular um, person um, who uh, he's white and uh, I don't want to say his name because I ain't trying to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a particular person who is white. Um, he is Greek. Um, so he's in a, a black letter Greek organization. And he, uh, he uh, speaks quite frequently on black issues mm. and I feel like it's performative that shit because, like, I mean, obviously, I don't know the man like in right. real life, but I kind of feel like he he goes viral, right, right. when he speaks on black issues, and it's kind of like, okay, like, are you doing this now because you know you're gonna get attention, right. and like, who is your audience? Because who like, because when I go and I look at the comments, I see a lot of black people responding. To you and like, oh yes, you totally get it and blah blah blah. So I do feel like uh, sometimes black people play a part in performative allyship too. <laughs> like, like you know, like I just like me. I'm the kind of person like, if a white person is like out there and they're actually you know doing something effective for the black community, congratulations. Right. Like, thank you. you don't like, 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 like you do not like. There is still no invite to the cookout from me. It's like there's, there's, cookout. Like, there, there's not going to be an invite for me because yeah. to me, I feel like you should be doing it anyway. Absolutely. Like, you know, so like, but the bar is just so low. And yeah. it's just like, even like with black people, like how we can put white people on a pedestal, especially white people that intentionally enter black spaces yes. and take up space in those spaces, mm-hmm. like that, that's just, ooh, I don't I, like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think there's a really, meshed line I should say between like a white savior and then like the whole performative thing so like for me the difference is like when you see performative allyship those are going to be the people that are going to be out on the front lines and they want to do it but you always won't have a camera in somebody's face like hey did you see this thing I did you know or they're going to tweet about hey I'm doing this at this time make sure y'all come through and it's just a very thin line between that being a positive thing and then that being a thing that you're doing to get you attention and then you have the white savior thing White saviors to me are typically religious. Um, they are typically the people that we see going on like mission trips and things like that. Like I have a girl that she graduated high school with me and she's dedicated, like she moved to Africa to help people, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. in theory, that seems great, but she ends up moving back, right? And the whole time that she's back, she's talking about how she made such these great connections with the kids and they miss her so much and they've been writing her. And she went over there and created within these kids a white savior complex because she was the person that came in and made things great, which was great. But then you decided to leave them because that lifestyle wasn't built for you. Right. And like, it's, and it's like, like what, no, what, what, no, what did no, you no, get no. out of that? You know, what's really crazy is that... Um, that uh, you heard of the show Atlanta, right? Right. Yeah. So actually, so the third season just uh, started, and the opening episode 
Um, it showcases these uh, this white lesbian couple, and I believe it's based, it's off, of a, true story, it's based yes. on a true story. Yeah. And this white lesbian couple, they adopted all these black kids, and then they, and they ended up, but uh, they they were abusing them, and in the in their heads, they're like saving them mm-hmm. from whatever situation they were in. But essentially, they're putting them in a worse situation. And then I believe that they um, um, attempted to kill. I don't know what happened in real life, but I, I want to say that uh, they actually did kill them. Yeah, but so yeah, in real life, they actually in did the, kill the all of them. Yeah. yeah, but in the uh, in the uh, Atlanta episode, all the kids ended up getting away. So I love the mm-hmm. fact that they at least changed that narrative yeah. and didn't kill these kids because that would have been more black trauma, right. you know, essentially. Um, yeah. When we talk about uh, performative um, allyship, I just don't want white people to feel like they it's okay to take up space, space in a black person in a black in a black space in a if black you will. Room, yeah. And I think that that was James Baldwin's um, main criticism um, too with uh, Richard Wright's Native Son that um, you kind of created this okay for white people mm-hmm. to feel good about themselves. And black people um, are really depicted and kind of like a negative light. And like you can, um, there's even some correlations with um, Uncle Tom's Cabin, you know, which uh, came out in the 1850s. And Shout really, like, please. really, and it really please. just like has its own set of stereotypes as yeah, well. We don't have time for um, that. You know, so not to say that white people shouldn't be like, um, you know, fighting for equality and stuff like that, but recognize your privilege that yep. you have. Um, and then, I also feel like white people weren't learned so much if they just took a step, shut up, and listen. Just if you're gonna come into the space, just like shut up and listen. I think you know one of the biggest issues though is that they don't they feel entitled to space. And I I wish I could remember the name of the actual theory, but there's a theory that's based on this idea that because white people have conquered everything, they feel like they have a space everywhere. So it's like mm-hmm. they came to Africa, conquered, conquered our people, brought us here. Like you've seen them, imperialism, right? They're everywhere. So yes. it's like because they have gone and placed their influence everywhere, they feel like they belong in every space, whether that yes. be the smallest space or the biggest space. Like think about like Vietnam, right? The yeah. uh, Korean War. None yes. of that was our business, but they placed themselves uh, in a position of power have placed themselves into all these spaces and so even on a smaller scale they feel entitled like think about um even gentrification even now like even even like a lot of our major cities and especially in urban areas white people mm -hmm. are coming into those spaces and what's actually happening is an increase in conflict because like so you could have like uh you know, you could have Ray Ray and them. They, they didn't live <laughs> on the block the whole time. They, they have a block party or whatever like right. that, right? And now that you have a white person that's moved into this space or whatever, too. yeah, and or they're going to call the police. Mm-hmm. And, now, so, and now you have an increase in, you know, you know black people don't really feel the police right, right there. Right, right right now. So, sure. so now it's creating another issue. So yeah. um, just a couple of things. Like, uh, like I said, that was also like a theme in Native Son as well. And I really hate that, like, there was no redemption arc for, right. uh, for Bigger Thomas, who's the protagonist. Like, he didn't learn anything. He didn't grow at all. Yeah. And so, like, if his audience, obviously, like I said, James Baldwin critiqued and said that, well, you can't write this book for black people because we already know what we're going through. So white audiences are consuming this book in mass. And, right. you know, so thinking about how they're going to perceive this mm-hmm. does not do anything to help your cause. And so 
Um, I really do appreciate that, even though that they were friends. James Baldwin held him accountable yeah, and wrote sure. his own stuff. Like he wrote, oh, like my boy wrote a that. whole essay collection about That's why really Rights book sucks. Right. You know? So I mean, yeah. but it was just like, um, you know, I do feel like um, uh, escapism. So like, I really like this new wave of like black people, um, like being showcased in fantasy and like yes. sci-fi and stuff like that. Yes, because yes, yes. it really like. Uh, enters a world where black people like are allowed to kind of like be, be themselves free, be them free, be free and be themselves you know and All they right. don't have to adhere to any stereotypes and I really so that's why I'm really like into that and even like in um, Lovecraft Country I don't yeah. know if you watched it but so Lovecraft Country they had a whole episode dedicated to the caricatures of like like the Sambos, the mm-hmm. Mammies, like all of those things, the Jezebels, those different things, right? That, and I really like that they kind of showcased that, and they were like, "Okay, this is not okay." Right? You know? Yeah. You know, so um, I want to hear it part from black people. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah. I want to hear it part from black people. There's this book called um, "Of Blood and Bones." Like, it's <gasps> oh my god, blood. that's literally on my to buy list as yeah, far as so books are concerned. Like, and it's literally like black Harry Potter, like. Because you know, well, you know, she, you know, she's transphobic. So. I, and I have a Harry Potter tattoo, and me and my best friend have them. Mm-hmm. And after we found that out, we were like, "Yeah." So give me something else to cover it up with. You feel me? Like, don't put all your trust in, in into books, people. Like, I, if you've learned nothing from this episode, books will yeah. lead you astray. You feel me? Yeah. So do your research. Don't and put. What we talk about? And yes, you know, we talk about too. Where we talk about um, black um, film. Um, directors, um, producers, different things like mm-hmm. that, too. Um, I think that Hollywood especially has taken to the idea of, like, okay, we are going to um, be able to capitalize or monetize Black pain and Black trauma yep. because people are going to talk about it regardless, right? right? right. Even yeah. if, like, like, essentially what we're doing right now. Like, there are going to be discussions about it um, on both sides, Um you know, like I remember, like when um, Queen and Slim came out. With, I was um, about to bring up Miss Lena Waithe. Yeah, I was gonna like, do it. Now, <laughs> Mama, <laughs> Mama loves to write her a black trauma Listen. story. Okay, Mama loves a black trauma story. But you and, know, she also did um, what is the show Twenties on BET, okay, and that was beautiful yeah, and yeah, fun. Sorry. What's her name? Hallie, I think it's the no Hattie. Hattie is the main yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Queer. Free, I love her down. Like love she is it. You feel me? So I, I think I, I don't know. I'm still a little on the fence about her because Queen and Slim did have me messed up all the way. I was like, yeah, and it's just kind of like you know, like I I want you know black directors particularly to know that you don't have to be a one trick pony, right? Like, for sure. And yes, I get that this might be what makes you money, but there are other black stories and other black narratives to tell. Um, that don't have to focus on black stereotypes. And I think that's basically what James Baldwin was really trying to tell his friend. Like, you ain't have to do this, bro. Right, like, yeah. you did not have to go you, and You could have wrote about them. anything. You could have wrote about anything. Like, and this was a fictitious story. So, like, yeah. you, so, like you made this <laughs> you up. You made this up. You, made this up. You, you sat down and said, yeah, I'm going to write a story about a black man who does not have a redemption art and who's upset about gigging poverty. And, like, he just goes and kills these people. And then he ends up getting convicted uh, of course as a black man right. and then he ends up like getting executed and it's just like and then he comes to terms with it too like and it's just like okay but when it's like 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 i was just literally Maybe like coming to terms what, with it was supposed to be the girl i was no like no like 
I am definitely on James Baldwin type of time because, and like, I've been around like, why the fuck no, did you write this? Why the fuck did you write this book, bro? Like, why it's did him you write a whole like, book about it? Like, like, actually, um, I hate this so much. I'm gonna get something published to let everybody know that I hate it. Yeah. So like, I mean, even like, just and, and it's just like the formula, like, really just. I get it. The formula works for true. like black trauma, but it's just like, please tell other stories, people. Please, please, please. I'm currently looking please. up. Um, Look at that boy. His zodiac sign. Oh, uh, because yeah, listen, that's not something a Scorpio would do. I personally am a Scorpio. Let's see. He's a Leo. Mm. I don't. He I was a Leo. I can't. I Jay Paul, that can't. makes sense because I'm like, who would write a whole book talking about how much they hated somebody else's book? But he was a Leo, so I mean, I am not a Leo, but I like I probably wouldn't have written a book, yeah. like, but I mean, but James Baldwin was clearly like a writer and yeah. himself a, a renowned writer in himself. So I mean, and then also I do like the idea that even though I didn't think it's extra as hell that he did this, I do like the idea that there was some kind of pushback, and instead of it being something like an interview or a mm-hmm. debate or him making a statement, like. He chose what he his craft was yeah. to respond to that, and that's something that like because again we're still having those conversations today, yeah right um, about like the white savior complex about um, black people and their struggle um, the struggles that they have or whatever and how we monetize off of that uh, you know so or how people monetize off of yeah. the black struggle um, so I like the fact that he wrote <laughs> like something so we can go back and still reference that yeah. and still relevant today in twenty twenty two so yeah. Well, that's about it, I think. Yeah, yeah. Child, I know. I just, I just had to look up Zodiac. I'm sorry because I was like, who would do this? No, <laughs> like, whole yeah. Book. Sorry. Um, also, I mean, definitely, I always um, when we you know do this podcast and we talk about different pieces in history and connecting it to um, today's issues as well. Um, you know, we're just speaking from our opinions as yeah, well. Absolutely. I always invite people, like, even when I teach history as a teacher, I always invite people to do their own research and mm-hmm. to form their own perspectives because, you know, my perspective not might world. be something else. But I really like the idea um, idea of doing this podcast because we kind of, like, talk about a different perspective in history mm-hmm. that's not always talked about because Native, Native Son is seen, yeah, as, a literary, is seen as a literary yeah, success. Like, and, like, but people don't like to talk about like, right. like the James Baldwin dragging him part, and it's just like yeah, Child so yeah, you, same. You know, <laughs> so I like um, looking at history from an unbiased, or at least in an aspect where we can look at all sides. Right, yeah, what's going on with that too. But I think that that's going to wrap up um, our episode for today. Um, so. Did you have any final thoughts on anything? No, but come back and see us for the next episode because right. we'll be here all the time. All right. All right. I am Brando. I'm Mia. All right. And we will catch you guys next time. Peace.